Are you ready for the word? I'm ready to finish John chapter 20, and then we have one more chapter. So that's exciting. It's been a big journey, hasn't it? And so John chapter 20, uh, we read up to the point where Jesus calls Mary by name. And cast your mind back to what's happening. Mary is uh, panicked, shocked, maybe depressed, anxious, because she just doesn't know where the body of Jesus has gone. She thinks it's been stolen, hidden somewhere, put somewhere else, and she's frantic. Who's ever had a moment like that where you're frantic or you're anxious about something or you're freaking like where or you've lost something or you just something's going on in your life and you are panicked. And then Jesus appears to her and I think she's that frantic and panicked for whatever reason. She just did not realize who it was. She thought it was the gardener. And she says, just tell me where you put the body and I'll find it. And then Jesus just simply says, Mary, and calls her by name. There's something powerful about your name isn't there? There's something powerful when I shared last week, when your parents called you, I'm Jeremy William Greening, okay? So if they say, Jeremy William Greening, what's wrong? I'm busted. I'm in trouble. When they call you by your full name, I'm in trouble. And you know it because of the way they said it, but the way Jesus said Mary, Mary, in such a loving, nurturing, fatherly way, the scales were removed from her eyes and she responds, Rabbanai teacher. And all of a sudden, the storm that she was in, calm. There's something about when Jesus calls our name, and he's calling you by name, each and every one of you. And that's where we landed last week, acknowledging that Jesus calls each of us by name. Let's set up this morning with a video. Amen. 
what if the stories are true? Well, I'm here to tell you today they're very true. It's very true that Jesus came and died for you. He conquered sin and death. He conquered the grave. Sin has no grip or hold on you any longer as long as you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who we're going to look at today. Finishing chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, the risen Lord. He's alive. Amen. Let's go. Verse 17 to 18 says this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. In other words, she went proclaiming, Jesus is alive. You know, Mary was overcome with emotion. I've covered up on that. She was frantic. She's wondering where this body was. And Mary grasped Jesus the moment she realized who he was. And I'm sure she didn't want to let go. Have you ever had a moment like that? Maybe when you're a kid and mum or dad go away for work and then they come home. And maybe you've experienced this as a parent. And your kids run up to you because like, even if it's just a day, you know, you left that morning. <laughs> and you come back in the evening and they run up and they grab hold. Daddy, mummy. And they don't want to let go. I'd imagine that's what this was like. Mary just did not want to let go of Jesus. She'd lost him once. She wasn't going to lose him again. <laughs> I'm holding on to you, Jesus. But Jesus had other plans, of course, and he couldn't hang around the tomb uh, with Mary. Uh, he had other people to see, and, and he knew he would see her again. So he had a job for her to do. And so he said, Mary, go and tell the others. Go and tell the disciples, whom he now called brothers, that he was alive, that he would ascend to the Father and God and their Father and God. He was careful to keep his relationship with the Father distinguished to or separate from their relationship with the Father because he knew it was very different. And, and, and go and tell them this news. I mean, imagine how happy the disciples must have been when Mary first busts in. So, so remember Mary was frantic, worried, sad, lost, depressed, all those things, stressed, anxious, depressed. And, and, and she's found out there's good news. But back home at you know, Disciple Headquarters, they're all sitting around and they're still in that state of mind. They're upset. They're lost. But imagine when Mary busts in. He's alive. Jesus is alive. It'd be shock at first, wouldn't it? Huh? What? Because they're getting shocked out of their depression. They'd spent three years with Jesus and they'd grown to love him. And he changed their lives. And they'd just been through the worst three days of their life because Christ had died on the cross. And they thought Jesus was dead. And now they're hearing he is alive. What great news. And it starts to sink in and they're getting excited. Let's keep reading. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut... The disciples were assembled for, assembled for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Can you imagine that? Whew, Jesus is there. Peace be with you. <laughs> I reckon if there wasn't a scream, someone's not telling the truth. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but can you imagine? Someone who's died and is now alive and whew, they're just in the room. <gasps> Peace be with you, he says. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw 
the Lord. Jesus brought peace in the midst of fear. We sung it this morning, didn't we? My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Fear has no opportunity, no grip on us. So Mary's bringing the good news of Jesus being alive. He's resurrected. The disciples didn't, they would have been shocked. I'm not sure they would have instantly went, oh, yay, great. I reckon they took some time before they perhaps fully believed it. And maybe it wasn't until Jesus appeared in the midst, in the midst, he's there, that they fully believed because they saw the risen Christ. You know, I think if they had have fully believed that Christ was risen when Mary first told them, I'm not sure they would have been huddled behind closed doors in fear of the Jews. A bit of boldness would have been on them, wouldn't you think? Because, well, Jesus is alive. He's conquered sin and death. What are we hiding for? If God is for us, who can be against us? But they're hiding behind locked doors on a Sunday night, afraid of the religious leaders. And instead, uh, you know, if they had have had a revelation that Jesus was alive, I reckon they would have been shouting it from the rooftops. We sung that this morning too, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. I reckon that's what they would have been doing if they firmly believed what Mary said. They were probably encouraged by what Mary said, but it just hadn't completely sunk in as truth to them yet. So Jesus is risen from the dead. So he's more powerful than sin and death. And he's overcome. And by appearing in the midst of them, it's now the moment of fresh revelation for them that he is actually alive. You see, Jesus' followers who were present, and it was a larger group than the, the 10 disciples with Thomas missing. Thomas wasn't in the room. And we read about him soon. But they got Mary's report of Jesus' appearance from her. And, and Peter and two others had seen him that afternoon as well. But undoubtedly, they also received reports from other people. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. The appearances of Christ after his death. To just squish that rumor of, well, did he really appear? Were the people just hallucinating? Uh, we, we did talk about that last week. We're going to go a little deeper today. But they're getting reports in. There are, there's news, there's whispers, there's like a buzz about this Jesus rising from the dead. And, and he's appeared in the midst as though he's beamed into the room. I mean, who watched Star Trek? when they were, Any Trekkies? One or two of you? We'll pray for you later. Uh, but, you know, they beamed in and out, didn't they? Bzz, beam me up, Scotty. Bzz, and they just go from one thing to the... Well, this is what Jesus has done. He's beamed into the room. And he's just there because there's no record of Jesus opened the door and calmly walked in and said, hey, fellas, peace be with you. No, it's just like Jesus appeared whoosh, and, and, and peace be with you. Uh, so he definitely didn't walk through a wall or a locked door or anything like that. It definitely would have been recorded, you would think. Uh, but however he got there, his resurrection body came in a different form than before his death because he looked different. Hence Mary not recognizing him initially. Uh, his... He's conquered death, and so he's no lim longer limited by the laws of nature anymore because he's in his resurrected body. And standing in the midst of his, I guess, frightened disciples at first, because I, like I said, there would have been a scream for sure, Jesus speaks the custom greeting, peace be with you. And he'd spoken these familiar words the night of his arrest, just before he was arrested. Uh, and he prepared his disciples for what was to come. Peace be with you. Stay calm throughout what's about to happen. So Jesus shows them his hands and his feet. He shows them the, the wounds uh, as evidence to convince them 
that he was the same Jesus that died on the cross three days earlier. And so let's just talk about Jesus' appearance after his resurrection. You can see it on the screen there. Uh, We're not going to turn to all the references today. But there's other accounts, not just in John, but in the book of Matthew, where Mary, the mother of James, at the empty tomb, encounters Jesus. Simon Peter in Jerusalem, it's recorded in the book of Luke. On Emmaus Road, Cleopas and another disciple in Luke 24. Uh, Seven disciples saw him at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Eleven disciples on the mountain in Galilee. Uh, In Galilee, more than 500 Like I said last week, I think I said, they're smoking the same stuff. I don't think so. 500 people, you know, that's no hallucination when that many people can say, we saw him. Uh, Brother James saw him in an unknown location. Uh, 11 disciples and others on the Mount of Olives. There are that many accounts in the Bible, but then also in other historical records and other historical books. There ain't no way that this is some hoax or some hallucination or you can't explain it away that day. Uh, Jesus is very much alive. He's very much conquered sin and death. And uh, it couldn't be more true uh, that he has risen from the dead. His first words to his disciples, peace be unto you. You know, he could have chosen any greeting. If he was Aussie, g'day, mate. Uh, Probably wouldn't have went down as spiritual, I guess. Um, You know, cup of tea and a biscuit if he was pommy. Um, You know. If he was Irish, oh, fiddle-dee-dee potatoes. I don't know. He, would have, he could have said all sorts of things. But he said, peace. But I'll stop doing silly accents now. <laughs> peace be with you. Well, have some shella money. No, he didn't say that. He said, peace be with you. He, he could have chosen any greeting, but he knew in that moment what they needed. And they needed peace. They needed peace. The source of peace is the Lord. And the basis of that peace is his death and resurrection. Because he conquered sin and death, you can have peace in Jesus' name. And he will bring it to you when you need it. You just ask for it. God, the world is in chaos for me right now. Stuff is happening left, right and center, but I center in on you, your cross. You died for me so that I could have peace and victory over any circumstance. Peace is available to you. In Jesus' name. Let's keep going. Verse 21 to 23. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you, just in case they missed it the first time. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In this moment, Jesus is sending them into the world. He's empowering them. And I believe that's the word for this church today, that you are empowered to be sent into the world to minister to others, to tell them of the goodness of your God. We say it in church together so confidently, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. But is that your story to the person that doesn't know Jesus yet out in the community that just needs some encouraging? Is that your story when you're in that group at the coffee shop and maybe you're the only Christian there? Are you bold enough to declare that God is good all the time? Because He's breathed on you His Holy Spirit that gives you boldness in the midst of what could be persecution. You're not afraid because Christ is with you 
and he gives you the words to speak to glorify him in the midst of a dark community that needs to know Jesus. That's the word for you today is that you are sent into the world to be witnesses, to make disciples, to lead people on a journey to meet Jesus because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Someone led you whether it was your family, whether it was a friend, someone brought you to the knowledge of Christ. You might say, well, I was born into it. Well, people invested into your life as a child, not just your parents. You went to church, you went to youth group, to Sunday school, whatever it was, and you heard more about Jesus and were invested in so that you could have the confidence. I mean, if you're still walking in the fact that, well, mum and dad always made me go to church, so that's why I do it, I, I declare your belief isn't strong. But if it's your belief and it's become your conviction, which is my prayer, that that's what it is for all of us, not just because oh, I just always do this because it's a cultural thing or we always went to church as a family. But if you actually believe in Jesus because of what he's done for you, man, you are powerful. You are powerful. You have something that the world needs, and that is Christ in you. He's alive in you, and he wants to, through you, Reach others for his glory. So Jesus pronounces peace. He commands his followers to go into the world and tell people about his death and his resurrection like the Father had sent him to do. And they had, you know, this is what's amazing about Jesus. They had deserted him at his arrest. They let him die almost alone. They allowed the Jewish leaders to frighten them. But nevertheless, Jesus forgave them and gave them a job to do. He could have just said, well, you lot are a lousy bunch of whatevers. You know, what did you do when things got a bit tough? You're scattered. What's wrong with you? That might be what some of us say <laughs> to people. But Jesus forgave them. And in order for them to have power to do that job, he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. And this action is similar to what God did back in creation. He breathed life into Adam. It's like he's breathing life into you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would have that boldness to declare that Christ is your Lord no matter where you are, that you wouldn't be ashamed, that you wouldn't be afraid, but that you would trust that God would give you the wisdom and the words to use to minister to a broken world. After Jesus went back to heaven and the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit would automatically come in to live in people at the time of their salvation. When they asked Jesus into their heart, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And then it's just a matter of it being activated and, and learning what that means and how we can use the power of the Holy Spirit in our, in our daily lives. But at this moment, we're in a moment of transition because Jesus hasn't risen to be with the Father at the right hand of the Father just yet. And so he breathes the Holy Spirit. Imagine if Jesus came in here and breathed on us. <laughs> Reckon we'd be out for weeks. <laughs> Forget it. We'd just be, whoo. Jesus did not give his followers the right to forgive sins. It's important to understand that. That's misinterpreted sometimes. So, so, so he didn't give followers the right to forgive. Only God can do that. But what he did give his followers was the right to announce forgiveness based on a person's response to the message of salvation through Jesus. So you can get up to someone and say, hey, if you accept 
what Jesus has done. If you believe in him, if you confess him with your mouth, you are saved and you are released from the stronghold of sin in your life. You can definitely declare that because that means you're pointing people to Jesus. It's not like I have forgiven your sins. No human being can forgive sins. And I'm sorry if you have Catholic background and you go and do that. To the, but that doesn't work. It's not what the Bible teaches me. Jesus forgives our sins. And we can announce that with boldness and confidence. But we can't forgive sins. Does that make sense? It's a big, big difference. And we've got to get that right and not confuse people. All right. Verse 24 to 25. See, some people use that. I'm going to go back there again. I thought I'd moved on. Some people use that as manipulation. Tell me all your sins so that you can be forgiven. There's people that do that. And then they manipulate that. Then they go and say, oh, did you know so-and-so? Did you know so-and-so? You don't have to confess your sins to me. You know, if you want to, because that's a process you'd like to go through, by all means. But I'm not going to sit before anyone and say, all right, tell me all the bad things you've ever done. Because that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to bring conviction Press on those areas in your life that need to be confessed and dealt with. And then you deal with that with God. And then out of that, if you need to go to someone and apologize, or if you need to go and you do as the Lord leads, but don't you let any human manipulate you because of your past and what you've been through, because we don't have the right to do that. I don't know, I just felt to say that. That's just set someone free today, I think. All right, verse 24 and 25. Now, Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, well, don't know what you guys were on, but unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, show me the evidence. Show me the truth. You can't handle the truth. Sorry, so that movie's just in my head all of a sudden. But show me the evidence. I need to see it with my eyes. Who's like that? Who needs to see something before you believe? It's okay to put your hand up. We're all human. I was like that before I got saved. Well, if I see it, of course it's true. If I don't see it, how am I supposed to tr believe? And tr I didn't get faith until I got saved. It was on Facebook. If it's on Facebook, it's real, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Come on. <laughs> For whatever reason, and I don't know why, the Bible doesn't say, but Thomas Missed the first meeting when Jesus appeared to a group of disciples in the upper room. Maybe he was at Audi getting the special buys. Maybe he was at, you know, shopping, getting the goods, whatever he was doing. But when the other disciples kept telling him that they had seen Jesus, he just didn't believe them. He didn't want to believe. He wanted to see physical evidence. He's very analytical, Thomas. So he's like, just show me. Just show me and then I will believe. And I want to put my hand in his nail prints and, and then I will know. Can you imagine? That's gross. What does he want to do that? Put your hands in. Anyway, Thomas insisted that he needed to see proof before he would believe in Jesus' resurrection. And he wasn't really any different to any other people, really, who hadn't been in that room. It's just that all those people in that room had seen him already. So... We kind of look at Thomas and go, oh, you have little faith. But I reckon all of the room was like that. Like I said, there was a scream when Jesus appeared. Because <laughs> they're not expecting it. And all of them would have been in the same boat, I believe. And once they'd seen him, then of course, well, we've seen him, he's alive. Didn't you know, Thomas? Oh, come on. 
They'd seen Jesus in the flesh, which is what Thomas desperately wanted to also do. And we'll keep reading. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Wow. There's a repeat appearance. Jesus comes back for an encore because he knows Thomas wants wants the truth. And so he comes back and, and... you know, the disciples are still locked behind closed doors. I don't know what's going on there. Come on, get a bit of boldness about you now. You've seen Jesus. He's alive. Let's go. But anyway, they're behind closed doors again. This time, Thomas is actually with them. He's finished up at Audi. And uh, Jesus appeared like he had the week earlier, suddenly standing in their midst, didn't walk through any doors like a normal person, just, whoosh, here I am. Peace be with you. And his greeting, the same, peace be with you because he knew Thomas was probably having a coronary. And then he showed Thomas the evidence that he wanted to see. The, 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 the wounds in the hands, the, the pierced side. And the Lord invited him to come and touch the spots, because God knows everything, so he knew what Thomas wanted. Here's the cool thing. Jesus wanted Thomas to believe instead of doubting. But I think the moment he saw him, he didn't need to touch anything anymore. It was like, whoa. Can I just say this? What a blessing Thomas is to Christians everywhere. He reminds us that the skeptic is not rejected by God. Because that's exactly what he was. He was skeptical. The whole room saw Jesus. The whole room is telling Thomas, we saw him. He was here. He was a skeptic. Maybe you were a skeptic once. Maybe you know people that are skeptical now. The world's full of them. But Jesus does not reject the skeptic, the person that doubts, the uncertainty. It doesn't lose us a place in God's kingdom. Praise God for that, hey? He reminds us that Jesus willingly comes to us to show us his hands and his side that we might believe. I'm so thankful for Thomas. Lots of us call him doubtful Thomas or doubting Thomas or whatever. But I'm so blessed by Thomas Every time I get sceptical, and you know what, we all have our moments. Oh, did that really happen? That sounds a bit sus, whatever. Uh, did God really do that? Is that someone exasperating the point? Whatever. And then we find out it's true, and you're like, oh, woe is me, I'm a sinner. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Praise God for Thomas. I think he's an encouragement to the body of Christ uh, because of what he went through. All right, we're getting close to the end. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord... And my God, except it would have been something like, my Lord and my God, I'm so sorry. You know, he would have felt terrible for being such a skeptic. But Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he goes on to say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Blessed. We're blessed. When you have faith, you are blessed. When you trust in someone you cannot see, you are blessed. Now, some of us may have seen visions. God may have audibly spoken to you. But even if he hasn't done any of those things, we have faith and trust in Jesus because of what he's done. You are blessed in Jesus' name. The word says it. It makes a believer out of you and me. 
when we believe in that which we do not see. That's the definition of faith. Trusting in what you cannot see. See, Thomas didn't need to touch the evidence of Jesus now. That's when he was skeptical and hardened of heart maybe or discouraged. Yeah, I want to touch. I want to do this. But the moment that he saw Jesus' scars, it proved it was the same man. He didn't need to touch. He was blown away. My Lord and my God. So Thomas finally believed Jesus was who he said he was. And that he was God the Messiah, that he rose from the dead, and that he first had to see that for himself before he would believe. Whereas you and I, we believe in that which we do not see. You are blessed. You are blessed. Here's um, something to ponder out of that. You know, in another month, no one else would be able to see Jesus face to face at that time. Okay, So they had the blessing of seeing him face to face, resurrected. Here I am in my resurrected body. But in another month, no one else would be able to see Jesus face to face before believing in him. So everyone would have to believe in that which they do not see, faith. But faith is not dependent on sight. In fact, those who believe without seeing, that's us, we are blessed. In other words, we are happy because we have a full life because Christ fills that void in our life. We don't need to see him to believe that. We see the evidence everywhere. Testimonies, people getting up and sharing of God's goodness in their life. That's evidence, okay? There's no way in the natural Lyle gets to drive for the next six months. You know how stubborn doctors can be? No, this happened six months. Well, seven weeks later, he can't explain. He's looking at the pictures and how different those pictures are. And he can't explain the healing that's happened on that pretty traumatic head damage. It wasn't just a little bump. You look at one picture and it's chaos. The next picture, there's order. And that's because there's a divine God who heals in Jesus' name. And we trust in that because that's the evidence. Did we see Jesus come and literally touch Lyle's head? No. Did we hear God's audible voice? I mean, Lyle might have, I might have, I don't know. But did God go, I'm going to touch your head and you're going to be able to drive in seven weeks? No. Lyle just simply asked the question at the at the the meeting uh, when he's talking with the doctor. So can I drive now? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Everything's great. You haven't had any episode, nothing. That's the evidence. There is a God in heaven that loves us. He knows how much of a pain it was for Helen to drive in and out 10 times a day. <laughs> anyway, let's... Uh... I've got this here. A Buddhist in Africa... Uh, who was converted to Christianity, was asked why he changed religions. Because that's always a good question to ask someone that once believed this and has now moved to this. Why? And he replied, it's like this. If you were walking, walking along and came to a fork in the road, and two men were standing there, and one was dead and the other was alive, which man's directions would you follow? <laughs> Gee, I know it sounds simple, but there's a bit of wisdom there, don't you think? Who's going to listen to someone who's dead? Firstly, they can't talk anyway. Secondly, this person's alive. I'm going to take their directions because that's current. They're here. They're present. They're relevant today. Whereas someone who's dead is relevant back in their lifetime and they're gone. So there's a bit of wisdom in that. See, Jesus didn't scold Thomas for doubting. 
that he was alive and for wanting tangible proof of his resurrection. You don't see him scold him there and say, oh, you should have. You don't see any of that. We do that to people sometimes. Ouch. But instead, he met Thomas where he was at spiritually and he provided the evidence that he needed graciously. You know, doubts from a searching heart, not a hard heart, are not sinful. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to question. Just as long as you're not cynical and hardened by those doubts. If you're cynical and hardened, you won't change. And I'm not going to waste my breath trying to change you because you've dug your heels in and no, there's no way, that's it. This is what I believe. But if you're just doubtful and asking questions because you're like, I just need more info. I just need more revelation. I just need to learn more. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to receive. Give me more and, and, and convince me. If you're open, that's not a sin. Not at all. We can take those doubts to Jesus in prayer and reading your Bible and get answers. And you can move forward from your doubt, just like Thomas. Exactly, exactly. All right. Verses 30 to 31 as we bring this to a close. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I loved it when my son said this morning, and we didn't preempt that, when Anita was running around with the mic, what's Jesus given you? He just says life. I'm like, dude, you can preach this sermon today, seriously. He's given us life. Aren't you grateful for life? Because life is so different when the weight and burden of sin and condemnation is lifted from you. And you can't achieve that in your own strength. You need Jesus to take away that burden, to break every chain in your life. You see... Who remembers when they went to school? And I mean, maybe you were the kid at school that didn't do this. Did you write like assignments or essays? Do you remember those annoying things that the teachers made you do? (laughs) Well, English teachers teach you to start your assignment with a thesis or like a theme statement, a purpose statement of the paper. Well, John had a clear purpose statement, but he puts it at the end of the book. So he probably would have failed English, I don't know, maybe. But he wasn't an orator or a, you know, he was, he was, he was yeah, he was a fisherman. What you see is what you get. But these verses that we just read are key verses for this scripture, for, th- for this whole gospel, because it's the purpose statement of the whole thing found in the second last chapter at the end. You know, these verses explain why John wrote this gospel. So people who read it will believe that Jesus is God's son and that by accepting him and believing in him, that you can have eternal life. John didn't record every miracle. We'd still be reading for another six years, seven years probably by the time we get through the gospel if he did that. But he selected the ones that clearly point to Jesus' deity, that he is the son of God. He told us all we need to know about Jesus so that we can have eternal life. The whole purpose of this gospel, and it's taken us 20 chapters to get to it, that you are called 
the Holy Spirit has breathed upon you to empower you to tell people about Jesus. The whole purpose of this whole series is that you would know him and make him known. The whole purpose and mission statement for this church is that we would know Jesus and make him known. That's what we are about. You're going to hear us say that a lot over the coming weeks, months, and years because time is short. We need to know Jesus. We need to make him known. Have a look at the screen as we come to a close. Oh, no, we're going to do a, we'll do a wrap-up, then we'll look at the screen. So chapter wrap-up, because we've done it over a couple of weeks. We started with Mary, at Peter and John, and they discovered that Jesus was not in the tomb. And then Mary talked with two angels in Jesus' tomb. Jesus appears to Mary at the tomb, calls her by name, and tells her to tell his disciples that he was alive. And then we move to what we covered today. Jesus appeared to a group of disciples locked in the upper room and commissioned them to tell others about himself. Thomas refused to believe Jesus until uh, he saw, touched the wounds and, and Jesus appeared to him and showed him the wounds um, in his hands and in his side. And as a result, uh, Thomas believed. What a blessing to the church. And then John recorded selected miracles to prove Jesus is the Son of God. So people who read this book will believe in Jesus. It began with darkness. Pitch black. Formless and empty. Into this darkness, God created light. Created entire galaxies countless wonders beyond imagination. And to behold his glory, he breathed life into his children. He loved them with a passion burning brighter than the sun. And for a time, he made his dwelling with them in a beautiful, perfect world. But then, this love was torn apart fractured by a crushing abyss so wide that it could never be crossed. An immense chasm created by our sin, our pride, our disobedience. And so the darkness returned, and with it came death, wars, plagues, and exile. But our father refused to leave his children in the darkness. So once again, he sent his light to dwell on earth. To become Emmanuel, God with us. To teach us, to heal us, and save us from the terrible wages of sin. Where he preached peace, he was met with hostility. Where he preached love, hatred burned against him. Where he preached forgiveness, his enemies cried out for execution. He was arrested, tortured, and sentenced to death as a criminal. With nails in his hands, 
Jesus bore the unfathomable weight of our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. They assigned him a grave with the wicked and sealed his tomb with a stone. Darkness reigned over the land once more as hope seemed to vanish. But on the third day, his light pierced the shadows. His power shook the earth. The Son of God rose, declaring victory over death and throwing wide the gates of heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His love still calls to us. His grace still covers us. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Christ. Good news, amen. Amen. Can we watch it again? A <laughs> uh, couple of things I want to do this morning. The first one is I want to give opportunity to people that need to say yes to Jesus. I want to give you opportunity to accept him as your Lord. As we've talked about today, with him comes peace. With him comes forgiveness. You can be made free from the condemnation of bad choices in your past and mistakes that you've made. It's available to everyone. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to ask you, in this place this morning, are you living for Jesus? Have you made him the centerpiece of your life? Have you invited him into your heart? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, your personal Lord? Anita said it earlier today, he's a personal God and he's invested in and interested in you. So would you bow your heads? Let's just enter a moment of prayer and, and uh, just consider where we are at with our Jesus. And if you're in this place today, if you're online at home, I want you to consider the response of your heart today to what Jesus has done for you. And I would ask you, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or maybe you need to recommit your life to Him and say, God, I need to straighten myself up. I'm so sorry. I've lived a life that's not pleasing to you, but I want to ask for your forgiveness today. He will bring forgiveness to you when you accept Him. And so if that's you and you want to accept Jesus today, why don't you just lift up your hand in this place and say, yes, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. I need Jesus, more of Him, less of me in my life. More of Jesus, less of me. There's hands up across the place. Thank you, Lord, for people responding to your love and your mercy and your grace today. So we're going to pray a prayer together. We're just going to confess Jesus is our Lord. It's quite simple. The Scripture says it. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, He conquered sin and death for you. If you believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came and that you died for us. You conquered sin and death. You rose from the grave victorious so that I can live a victorious life. I truly repent and turn from my old self and I become a new creation when I accept you. So I call you my Lord and Saviour. I believe in my heart you were raised from the dead. And so I'm a Christian. I'm no longer under condemnation. I turn from the old and embrace the new. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people surrendering their life to Jesus? If you've done that online as well, it's the response of your heart. It's the response of your heart. If you've truly accepted Jesus today, you are free in Jesus' name. Now, the other thing I wanted to do, I said I wanted to do two things, and I really felt that out of this portion of Scripture today, God is sending us to the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that He's come into your life and equipped you and given you a story so that you can glorify Him to people who don't know Him yet? So if that's you, stand to your feet. If you believe you're called, if you're called to be sent into the world to tell people the good news about Jesus, stand to your feet. Because the Scripture says in John 20, verse 21, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you all, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Our church is filled with people that are sent in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to just occupy positions in church and sit and be comfortable and have a nice message every Sunday and, and beautiful worship. And I mean, I love all those things. I love worshiping with you. I love sharing the good news of Christ with you. But you know what makes me even more excited is when you bring a new person to church and fill one of these vacant seats with a lost soul that needs Christ. That's the most exciting and rewarding thing as a pastor. It's not the pretty meetings and the lovely music and the, and the preaching that's, you know, all right. Uh, it's none of that. It's none of that. That's all important, but it's not about that. It's about realizing that as Christians, we are sent into our world. And everyone has a different world. We're reaching different people groups. We're ministering to different people. And God bless you for that. But I want you to feel more empowered than you ever have because the time is short that you are to take the good news of Jesus and share it with your community. Share it with your one. Who's the one person that you are reaching out to? Remember, we're to know Jesus and make Him known. Who are we making Christ known to? You might not be able to answer that question in this moment, but I guarantee you if we keep mentioning it every week until Jesus comes back, you're going to start believing for one person in your world that will come to know Jesus and have a better life. Just as you are experiencing, we want others to experience the love of Christ. Amen. So just put your hands out towards the Lord like you want to receive something this morning because I believe the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus breathed on His disciples, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. I want to believe that today is a significant day in our church where the Holy Spirit fills people with purpose, fills them with the reminder that you are called, that you are called to be sent into the world, that you would let people know the glorious news of our risen Saviour. 
just the same excitement as Mary running from the tomb to tell the disciples he's alive. That's the excitement that I'm believing to fill your spirit today, that you just can't wait to tell a lost soul about Christ. So Heavenly Father, you see hands raised, hands out before you, ready to receive. I believe for an impartation of the Holy Spirit today on every single person under the sound of my voice. God, that you would breathe on us afresh. Lord, that we would receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the boldness that comes with that, the wisdom, the right words to say, the the perfect opportunities. God, you will lead our paths and direct us because you send us to the world. Lord, to be ministers of the gospel, to tell people about you. Give us the opportunities. Give us the boldness. Fill us with that assurance because you are alive. We do not have to fear because our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love today. And so we choose, God, to stand in your love, to receive from your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would inspire us and encourage us afresh to bring people to the knowledge of Christ. And so I pray for each one, God, that you would lead us and guide us this week. Give us opportunity. May we be given the privilege to invite people to say yes to Jesus and to see them whole in this place, part of community, part of your family and loving you. So I commit each one to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Receive something today. Receive something from the Spirit. Walk out of this place with a confidence that you perhaps didn't walk into the place with, but leave knowing that Jesus is in you and you are a light and He wants you to go and shine. Don't you put it under a bushel? No. Let your little light shine. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Let's have fellowship together. Please welcome our new Nevan friends. Get amongst them. Let them feel welcome here. And uh, let's enjoy fellowship together. Bless you.